Daily. We'll give you our opening segment here. We did a, a hodgepodge of the top news stories of the day from Breitbart.com. Uh, if I may, encourage you to uh, get SiriusXM and you can get that app and you can listen to the whole show uh, because at 7 o'clock we talked about architecture and had some great phone calls and I wish we had time to take way more phone calls. Uh, but we talked about art and architecture and truth and beauty and the world around us and our soul and and how we're so disconnected from it that we don't see the ugliness around us and how the, the things around us are uh, such a perfect representation of the elite who hate you and hate us. Uh, anyway, that was, was a whole thing there. So if you are a subscriber, you can listen to that at 7 o'clock. But we think it's best to uh, give you the first opening of the show, hodgepodge of stories, the latest on Breitbart.com. only because it broke last night and it was the first thing I saw this morning. Uh, this is Congressman Eli Crane. He's a former Navy SEAL and a Republican speaking on the House floor. Mr. Chairman, though, that was unbelievably inspiring. My amendment has nothing to do with whether or not colored people or black people or anybody can serve, okay? It has nothing to do with color, Mr. Speaker. Your skin, your, any of that stuff. What we want to... What we want to preserve and maintain is the fact that our military does not become a social experiment. We want the best of the best. We want to have standards that guide who, who's in what unit, what they do. Did you, did you catch his unforgivable sin? Oh, the, 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 the Democrat. Oh, Mr. Mr. Speaker. Oh. And I'm going to tell you guys right, right now. The Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, they are not, they are not doing this because they want the strongest military possible. I yeah, hope my colleagues on the other side can understand what we're doing. Thank you so much. Mr. Speaker, to be recognized to have the words colored gen- people. For what purposes generally seek recognition? I'd like to be recognized to have the words colored people stricken uh, from the record, I find it <laughs> offensive and very inappropriate. Is the gentlelady asking for unanimous consent to take down the words? I am asking for unanimous consent to take down the words of referring to me or any of my colleagues as colored people. <laughs> Give me a break. You cannot push on this new term people of color and then get upset when every once in a while someone says colored people okay you, no 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 good no good they did this a couple years ago with benedict cumberbatch do you remember this story this was in 2015 benedict cumberbatch was defending these accusations or she was, he was defending black actors and the, the, like the, the, the claim was that black actors don't get enough roles in America or something. And I, I looked at the quote. He said, I think as far as colored actors go, it gets really different in the UK. And a lot of my friends have had more opportunities here than in, in the UK. And that's something that needs to change. So he was defending black actors. 
supporting, he was an ally of black actors, but he said colored actors instead of actors of color. And like, oh, outright. And he's like, oh. And he did this whole, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe. And did this whole, like, groveling thing about how he loves people of color instead of color P. Oh, color P. Like, no, 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 go. So Eli Crane, uh, afterwards, he's like, oh, uh, I meant people of color. Like, (laughs) Uh, nice try, guys. But like the, like the fake outrage is what I. Oh, I'm aghast. Oh, stricken from the record. Stricken from the record. All right. Uh, CNN. Last night, Secret Service concludes the cocaine investigation. <gasps> this is very exciting. They've concluded the cocaine investigation. So surely we know who the cocaine belongs to. CNN Secret Service concludes cocaine investigation. No suspect identified. <sighs> What a bummer, you know? It's one of those things. You know, we'll never know. It's a complete mystery. It's, a, it's like the video footage of Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell. It's just poof. It's gone. What are you, you going to do? Lost forever. A bag of cocaine that apparently was never touched by a human being. No fingerprints. No DNA. No video. I mean, it's... It's inside the White House. What do you expect? Video? You expect the security or something? Like tight video surveillance? This isn't NCIS, people. It's not television. So I will never know. There was a congressman from Tennessee. I forget who it was. And he tweeted out yesterday, I just left the most ridiculous meeting in the world with the secret. <laughs> it's a funny line. I left the most ridiculous meeting so we'll, we'll never know. Serious question, though. What if it was anthrax? What if it was a weapon? What if it was some sort of chemical attack? What if it was a bomb? I don't know how little bombs can be. But what if someone put a, a bomb in the cubby? And would the Secret Service just be like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> That's the update on that. All right, I think this is the... Biggest story on Breitbart.com yesterday. It's a bit of it still today. But Democrats in Massachusetts want to give voting rights to non-citizens. So you are, you are not you, but one is blind if one does not see this. You see it. It's clearly. You're listening to Breitbart News Daily at 6, 10 in the morning Eastern time. You get it. But there are many, many people who do not see it still. Many people still do not. So the law, the bill in Massachusetts would give foreign nationals, so these are people who have an allegiance to a foreign country. They are still citizens of other countries who are here legally, at least for now, the right to vote in municipal elections. This is a little different than what they do in San Francisco. So in San Francisco, illegal immigrants can vote in school board elections. You don't have to be here legally. In San Francisco, it's anyone who is not a citizen, anyone who's not a citizen, it says. Massachusetts, you'd have to be here legally 
So like green card holders is what it would be. And they could vote for mayor, school board, city council, board of selectmen. I've never lived in a place with a board of selectmen. Is that county supervisor? Um, These different regions have different names for that thing. Uh, Select board elections, school committee referendums, local ballot referendums, other municipal races. And the argument is, well, let me quote. This is one person who's in favor of this. Immigrants are essential to our communities. Many are on the path to citizenship, but lack the ability to apply. I don't understand that. But they need, they need, they need to have a say in how public services are funded and governed. They need to have a say. It's amazing. So you see the game, right? You get it. The game is get as many illegal immigrants as possible here in the United States. Whatever there are, 20 million, no one knows. It's like, it's like Jeffrey Epstein's uh, d- d- jail set. It's like uh, the, the cocaine in the West. But no, we don't know. We have no idea. Maybe 20 million. It doesn't matter. You got to get them all in. Get as many as possible in as quickly as possible. Start off with legal non-citizens. Get them voting. Get them voting for a while. And then you add in the illegal immigrants. They can vote, but only for school board, only for school board, because their kids are in the school. So you can't deny them. They, they need, they need to have a say. And then you can let the illegal immigrants vote and everything else, that, not, that the, the green card holders get to vote in as well. And then you let illegal immigrants vote on state issues, and it's just, it makes perfect sense. It's that simple. And if you agree with the premise that illegal immigrants are essential to the community and therefore should be allowed to have a say in how their town is run, why would you not also think that they should have a say in how their city is run and how their state is run and how the country is run, the country that they're not a citizen of, that they have an allegiance, they have an allegiance to a different country, yet they're allowed to vote in this country. Like, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're like, well, they should be allowed to vote in school board elections. How could you, I don't understand why you'd be like, school board, but no more. That line doesn't exist. Once you let someone who's not a citizen vote in any election here, it's game on. They must be allowed to vote in all elections. And of course, that's the play. It couldn't be more obvious. They couldn't be more obvious with it. But people will go blindly along with it. That's not a conspiracy theory, is it? I really do not mean to present this as some sort of, well, let me tell you what, like that's, that's as obvious as could be. And it's just another step down the Titler cycle. The Titler cycle. Alexander Fraser Titler. He was a mid to late 1700s scholar of ancient Greece and, and Rome. And he has the, the Titler cycle. And the cycle is, uh, you, you've probably seen this before. Goes from bondage, you start off with bondage, not good. And then you go to faith. These are people who are looking for unity based on deep moral principles. These are our founding grandfathers. These are the first people who came to America, the Puritans. People looking to start a new society. They were motivated by faith. Then you have people of courage. People fighting for freedom, fighting for those values. Those are our founding fathers. Not enough attention is paid to our founding grandfathers, by the way. But you got our founding grandfathers, then you got our founding fathers. Then you have a period of liberty. That's great. Love that. Then you have the period of abundance. 
and our focus turns from those deep moral principles into more material things. We've certainly lived through that. Then abundance turns to selfishness. It's where we forget about deep moral principles. I want what's mine. Selfishness turns to complacency. Complacency into apathy. And at this point, all personal responsibility is gone. This is what we talked about yesterday in great detail. Complete lack of personal responsibility. And the example we get, one of the examples we gave yesterday was the CNN headline, a 45-year-old got pregnant. We cannot accept language like that. That is unacceptable. You don't got pregnant. Magically. Like randomly. So, like just, oh, oh, what? Complete lack of personal responsibility. Then apathy turns into de- dependence. And then that goes back to bondage. And then hopefully we start the cycle all over again. Although there's no guarantee that we will start the cycle all over again. There's no guarantee that it, like we just uh, pass through the bondage period for like 10 minutes and then we zip right into the faith again. That's not, you can spend a thousand years in the bondage period before you ever get a generation brave enough. So right now we are in the, the apathy independence stage. And there's no going back, by the way. You can't go backwards. You can only go through. So prepare yourself for that. Prepare your kids for that. Prepare your kids for the time period in their... In, in the, prepare your kids for their lives, which will be a period of going through. Instill in them the principles of faith and courage, the deep moral values, and the courage to fight for them, the courage to stand for them. It's why we, we need to do a better job of sharing the stories of church martyrs and American patriots, people who gave up their lives for something bigger than themselves. We need to share those stories because very soon, people are going to need to live those stories themselves. And that will be impossible if they've never seen it done before. This is why I asked, we talked to the FBI whistleblower yesterday at 720. If you want to go back and Listen to yesterday's show. It was great. Uh, the FBI whistleblowers at 720. And, uh, first, I don't love that term, whistleblower. I think we need a new term for that. Anyway, uh, his career was ruined when he blew the whistle. And I said, man, you lost your job, right? You exposed corruption in the FBI and you lost your job. He's like, yeah. I said, I mean, you gave up your paycheck. Do you have a family? I said, yeah, I have a wife and two kids. So you're telling me you gave up a steady paycheck, a good job, all for your, your pesky principles? And I like to ask questions like that to people of great principle because they always have a good answer. They've thought this through. So I know they have a good answer. They haven't just thought this through. They've dedicated their lives to these principles. And he said, yeah, my wife and I decided, which is a great place to start, by the way, my wife and I, my wife and I decided that we'd rather have hungry children than morally bankrupt children. We'd rather have hungry children 
than morally bankrupt. He said that without, without skipping a beat. Yeah, uh, my wife and I, we decided we'd rather have hungry children than morally bankrupt children. Boom, there it is. That's your faith and courage in action. His kids will be fine. He'll be fine. His kids will be more than fine. I got a few more here. Um, Oh, this is weird. Kyrie Irving, NBA player. These are all on Breitbart.com, by the way. NBA player. He is the NBA player who did not want to take the vaccine and then wasn't allowed to play. Remember this? Or at least he wasn't allowed to play home games because he played for Brooklyn, so he's in New York, so he couldn't play home games. Well, now he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. We just signed a five-year shoe deal, a five-year endorsement deal, which normally, I don't care, but it's with a company called Anta. I think it's Anta. I've never heard of it. A-N-T-A, Anta. Is this the first time you've heard of this company, Anta? Yeah, me too. Because it's a Chinese company. So hold on. First of all, perhaps it's bad enough for an NBA player to be signing a a shoe deal with a Chinese company. Like, that's weird. But even worse, the guy who took a principled stance against the COVID vaccine is now slinging shoes for a Chinese company? (laughs) That seems even weirder. So Anta is the third largest sports equipment company in the world behind Nike and Adidas. I've never heard of them. But they're like, they're the Chinese, they're the, the Nike of China. They're the, they're the Chinese Olympics apparel company. Like they're the, sh- they're the shoe and athletic, Anta. Never heard of them. And I just, I'd share that just to further reinforce how wrong I was about a very important thing. I thought that trading with China was going to make China more like us. And that was the premise. We trade with China, China will become more like us, socially, politically, so forth, right? Not only... Has it made us more like China? Now, we're not even the ones selling things in China. They're selling stuff to us. Right? So, so it would be one thing if we were selling stuff to them, and, but, but we were still coming more like... But it's not even that. We're, we're, not, we're not even selling it to them. And it's not just toasters from Walmart. They're... They're buying our professional athletes now they're sponsoring our professional athletes Chinese companies are sponsoring our prof- and the whole premise is that you and kids everywhere will now go buy Anta shoes they're not doing this as charity kids are supposed to be oh I love Kyrie Irving I'm going to buy Anta shoes now I'm not even buying American stuff and Nike stuff's not even made in America anyway so, so I, don't, I don't like the, the direction that's heading in alright got another, uh, another hodgepodge here um, this is a short one because I don't, I don't really care. Like I, I care about a lot of things. Like I care about that Kyrie Irving. Like I do. I care about that story. I kind of see where it's going. I don't like where it's going. I don't really care about this one. But I'll leave open why I should. I, you, you'll have to convince me why I should care, and that's okay. Um, but the actors' union is on strike, and now we got the actors and the writers on strike, which I, I mean. You might as well. So 63 years since the last actor's strike. Is that right? That can't be right. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) I'm sorry. But uh, I think the reason I don't care is because there's there's like plenty of TV out there. There's plenty of TV. There's plenty of movies already. 
Like we can, we we got a lot in storage. So you're fine. I'm not, I mean, like, oh, Slater, you won't be able to watch your favorite TV show. I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of, like, we can pop on a little house on the prairie, and like, <laughs> there's a lot of those that we can watch for a long time. Like, I, so I, I don't care. But I, 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 you can tell me why I could. Now, I am curious, which is why on Monday we, uh, we have booked, uh, like, a, I, I don't think he'd be, I don't, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to be mean. Like a like a C, uh, is it mean to call someone like a C list actor? I don't, I don't know. I don't like. Uh, he was the host of the show Cheaters. Among, like among other things that no one's ever. Heard. But that's fine. But he's he's in, he's in the union and he's for the strike and he was in the last strike. So that's why I read it was sixty three years ago. But he was in a strike in the eighties, which was well, forty years ago. Um. So anyway, I just, I am curious. I don't care, <laughs> but I'm curious. So anyway, we'll talk more about that one later. Maybe he'll convince me to care about something. Um, all right, what do we got today? Uh, that's my that's my initial hodgepodge of stories. Oh, so coming up, oh, 8 o'clock, we have uh, a Georgia state representative, Misha Maynard. She has been a Democrat her whole life, and she just switched over to the Republican Party, and she's in Atlanta. So that, that's not being taken kindly by her constituents. Uh, coming up at 840, we're going to talk with the California State Assembly about this bill that passed through the uh, passed through the state Senate in California, but it got stuck in committee. It got, it didn't get stuck. It got voted down in committee because the Democrats, can, it, this bill would have made human trafficking a three strikes violation. So if you get arrested three times, you spend life in prison. But the Democrats voted it down. <laughs> like, what do you mean you? I mean you voted it down. So there was such outrage, and Gavin Newsom got involved, and they had a special meeting, and they they ended up voting for it or moving it through committee. Where, um, but we'll talk with this because, like, what's that about? What's the backstory there that we need to know? And then coming up at seven o'clock, we're going to talk to the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. This is our follow-up to the FBI story yesterday, because this is the whole like, like this woman is the one who said, "Hey, Charlie." We're coming for you. And of course she meant politically. Everyone knows she meant politically. Like like this little woman is not going to go like, like murder the school board member. Like, there's a, like we're coming for you. Like, and they did, by the way, <laughs> uh, politically. And she started this group, Moms for Liberty, that endorsed 500, they're only three years old, endorsed 500 candidates for school board in the last election and won over half of them. That's unbelievable. So we have to talk to her, not only about the FBI investigating her and uh, all the rest, but just the hate that this group has received because they dare want to be involved in the political process. We can let illegal immigrants be involved in the political process, but heaven forbid we have moms. Back to the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Had a bunch of guests today, but we want to give you this interview of uh, a uh, Georgia state representative who has been a Democrat, and she was elected as a Democrat, and she decided, I'm out, I'm out of here. This doesn't make any sense at all. 
uh, because of these issues. We completely disagree, disagree in every way. So I'm leaving. And I absolutely love her first answer to uh, my first question about her career, her fu- the future of her career, which doesn't look bright in that district, you would think. Here's what she says. Georgia State Representative Misha Maynard. Misha, how are you today? I am great, and I am here to answer all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. There's no one better to ask. Uh, so <laughs> you are in a district that it's I, – I couldn't look up the exact – like your exact district, but like your neck of the woods – was 72 to 26 Biden over Trump in the last election. So you switched to Republican Party. You're going to get destroyed in the next election. Why would you do this? Uh, only the Lord destroys. Um, first and foremost. <laughs> Misha, I knew I'd like you. And to give people perspective, I represent downtown Atlanta. So if you come to Atlanta to visit, most likely you're visiting in my district. It includes mm. Piedmont Park, Midtown, Atlantic Station, Georgia Tech, and all of the college campuses in nice. the city. So no one can destroy me. Um, really, the things that I campaigned on four years ago, education, public safety, victims' rights, um, these are the same things that I have found to come to reality that these are things that the Democrats just do not agree with fundamentally. Um, Every step of the way, they have been trying to sabotage every single thing I've done, all the way down to a bill that helped the historically black colleges in my district. And so it came to a point of, okay, maybe you just are not a part of this group. Maybe you just think differently than this group. And if I look around the black communities in Atlanta that have been run by Democrats for 50 years, I see why I don't agree with them. And Mm -hmm. so I switched to make a change. Let's run through those uh, issues. So we we talked in the seven o'clock hour with the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, you know, the hate group and all that. Um, So what what is your stance on school choice and, and how are the Democrats in Georgia stand on that? So I grew up in an area called the Bluff. Um, I did not know it was called the Bluff until I was an adult. And someone told me that is a crime-infested area where crack cocaine started in Atlanta. Um, So let's begin with that. And my mom did not send me to schools in the community in which I was living. We come from a really um, conservative family But crack cocaine came around our family, right? So the house that is my family's home was built by my grandfather, who was a Navy CB. So there are people in the community that are long-time residents that care about education, and the schools in the community are failing. 3% of the kids are meeting academic proficiency. Another stat just came out, 2% are meeting uh, proficiency in math. And so if we're in the world of chat GPT and artificial intelligence, Goldman Sachs just came out with um, a study saying 300 million jobs are going to be lost in the next 10 years. That's not going to be your job. We hope (laughs) it's not going to be my job. I hope, but for the people that live in marginalized communities, most likely it's going to be their job. And so if you can't read, and you can't perform simple math, mm. 
where does that lead you? It leads you to crime, right? And crime is trickling out of these marginalized communities. And it really would behoove everybody to want to um, educate, educate, educate. Uh, you would think, like, how we got to the point where 2 or 3% are proficient in reading and math like that. I, 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 I can't believe we let it get to not only 95% are proficient in reading and math. Like you'd think if we had, you'd think if it was the other way, you'd think if 2% were not proficient, we'd, we'd call an emergency session. But it's the other way around. It's, it's stunning. On, on school choice specifically, I can think of no greater divide between uh, even black people and their, their Democratic Party that they vote for than that issue. Like every poll, a majority of inner city people want school choice, yet the Democrats who represent them are against it. Based on your time spent on the inside in the Democratic Party, what's the what's the play there? What's going on? There isn't a play. Um, Democrats, we did a study. Uh, there was a national study or poll done of Georgia Democrat voters. The poll results came back overwhelmingly. Georgia voters that are Democrats want parent choice. They want school choice. When those results were delivered to us, there was a resounding, okay, we'll name, we'll rename it. We'll call it something else. And in that meeting, my response was, okay, people know what they want. It doesn't matter what you call it. Just because you call it something different, you're still voting against something they want. But, you know, they have their heels dug in the sand on this one. Um, and it is the teachers union, and I can I can verify that because the teachers union in Georgia, they were sending out weekly messages about me, saying get her out of office. We do not need her. So it is completely run by the teachers union. Yep. This that makes school sense. choice business. Yep. That makes total for their from their perspective, uh, their selfish perspective. It makes sense. What do you mean? What do they want to change the name of? So the pollster said, do not say you do not like school choice. Do not mention that you do not want parents to have a choice because then you're going against what Georgia voters want. Okay, so that's, so that's like, so instead to, we got to, uh, we're against the privatized, the privatization of schools or something like that, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. that's good. Yeah, that's sneaky. That's sneaky. Gosh, you'd, you'd still think that Democrats would, would override the teachers' union's selfishness on this one because it's such, it's such a winning issue. But they, they have, like, is the teachers' union giving them that much money? Is, I mean, is really, I know money talks, but does it talk that loudly? Uh, teach, I'm a phys- let me start by this saying this. I'm a physical therapist, um, so I support anybody that is in a, in a labor situation because I've worked with workers comp injuries. Hmm. Um, so I just want to say I'm not anti people that are in labor unions. Um, I am not anti teachers. The teachers union has never given me a donation. Um, but guess what? I am against the bureaucracy of the teachers union. So I probably, um, they probably, they don't want to give me a donation because sure. I'm anti what they're what they're standing for of at this course. moment. Of course, unbelievable. Um, and and no no one who's against the current state of public schools needs to I don't think needs to disclaim that with 
I support teachers. I, I, I know what you know, but like, oh, I support. It's like, yeah, of course. We all support teachers. Uh, we, we all support these good, <laughs> obvious things. You know, that's so frustrating that we need to be like, oh. Um, right, next issue. Um, defund the police. Uh, we're actually going to yeah. talk in, in the next segment with a California state representative because California, there was a bill that would have made human trafficking eligible for the three strikes law where a third time you get life in prison. And it was voted down by the Democrats. They're like, no, <laughs> like they're like, it's like, like pro human traffickers. I think it's a weird thing. Uh, so what, what's, what's the Democrats in Georgia's stance on the police? And they would probably vote down the same bill. Um, I am the victim of stalking. And so I've unfortunately had to go through the criminal justice system and that puts you right in the middle of human trafficking, mm. domestic violence, child abuse. Stalking is just in that group of yeah. um, circumstances. And so I've been a, an advocate for victims. And we had recently a prosecutor oversight bill, which basically said, which they murdered me on, that says um, if victims, you know, prosecutors are supposed to be representing the state. So sure. if victims... Um, have a problem with a prosecutor that chooses not to prosecute for whatever reason, using their subjective opinion versus some objective reasoning. Now citizens of Georgia can go through a process of a prosecutor oversight bill to have someone else look at why the prosecutors are doing what they're doing. Okay. Um, the Democrats chose to support the prosecutors and not the people of Georgia. Yeah, so I don't. I, this is the first I've heard of this bill, um, but that's interesting. So that I, I feels like a uh, a measure to protect against these these Soros DAs who are more acting like defense attorneys and and not prosecuting crimes. Uh, so it's like a, a way to check that uh, lots of discretion that these DAs have. Is that what is that kind of right? It is, and they wanted to say that it was because the Fulton DA, Fonnie Willis, was prosecuting Donald Trump. And, you know, the narrative was the Republicans are trying to get her out. Well, truth be told, this story was introduced before there was any mention of an indictment mm. back in 2021. And when it was initially brought to the floor in 2021, I went to the author immediately as a victim and said, I want to sign on to this. Mm. So this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Um, this has only to do with protecting victims. Sure. We're talking with Misha Maynard. She was uh, been a Democrat in the um, Georgia State House and now has turned to Republican. Um, but that's an interesting move. You, you went to the author of this bill. I'm sure you're the only Democrat who did do that. Uh, that had to take courage. Uh, you know... <laughs> I think I'm just a courageous person. I described the kind of environment I grew up in. So you had to be tough. You had to be courageous on many different things. So I don't look at it as courageous. I look at it as I'm not afraid to do what I need to do. And in this case, I'm a state representative that's supposed to be up there representing people. And that means going and signing on any bill that would do that regardless of the person's yeah. party affiliation. I'm thinking of the, the human nature, right? And there's this, this powerful pull in human nature to uh, stick with your tribe, right? So you have this, this tribe of Democrats. There's like a hundred and whatever of them in the state of, of, of Georgia. And like you need to stay united. You need to stay with, and you, if you leave, 
the, the tribe, there's like this primal thing inside of us that makes us think we're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger if we dare leave our little safe tribe. And, uh, well, you were eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? They, they uh, spoke horribly of you um, because you dare leave that tribe. Did you ever feel that pull to the group? Um, no. Um, I came in as an outsider. Atlanta politics is very clicky, so mm. I'm not part of some political dynasty. Yeah. Um, I was not the one endorsed. In fact, I've had two elections down by now, and one um, without a runoff, almost 65% in some of them, 70% in another, without a runoff, and Atlanta politicians endorsed my opponent. Really? Um, this last race, Stacey Abrams' fair fight endorsed my opponent, with me even being the incumbent. So if you come from a marginalized area and not someone's um, click, you are an outsider. So yeah. I, there was never a lovey-dovey moment. Between <laughs> <me and the laughs> yeah, they, they saw you coming from a mile away and didn't like you from the lovey-dovey one. It's great. Um, how about immigration? I know you've spoken out against this issue. You know, someone, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Someone was temporarily helping me with my social media. I believe in legal immigration, not necessarily illegal, but I also don't use the word alien. And so I do apologize for that verbiage. Um, but what I tell people, Americans, we have to fill out the census every 10 years. That is how America counts us, right? So that is our American legal immigration. And so to say that um, we need to be supporting illegal immigration, it goes, um, it goes beyond what America stands for. And not only that, if we're putting so many resources, and I honestly feel this, if we're putting so many resources in people that are not going about doing it the right way, um, if there is a right way, we're totally missing what inner city people or even rural communities are facing. You know, rural com communities and urban communities need a lot. And for us to be putting a billion dollars, billions of dollars towards people that are not even voters, <laughs> um, I think the value system is a little messed up there. You said, uh, I see every other minority being prioritized except black children living in poverty that can't read. We'll send a million dollars to the border for immigrant services, but black communities, not even a shout out. I'm sorry, I don't agree with this. I'm not backing down. I'm actually just getting started. Uh, was that about a specific bill or just in general? Uh, it was about, not a bill. It was just foreign policy at the mm -hmm. federal level. Um, I don't agree with it. I, You know, with the Ukraine... Um, situation. I think we need to support our allies, um, but in the same breath, if there's, we're also saying we're miscalculating billions of dollars in the aid that we're sending. Um, so if we're going to help foreign allies, we need to be more fiscally responsible because there's money that is needed in other parts of the country. Um, we need to protect home. How you know that's what your family said. Your mom said you take care of home before you take care of anything else. Yeah, mom's advice is, is always right. Uh, you said that the Democratic Party has gotten away with using and abusing the black community. How so? People can just look around and 
And that message is not for anyone that does not live in a black community. That message is really for blacks that live in black communities. Look around. Everything that you see is there from being under Democrat leadership. And oftentimes it's Democrat black leadership. And, you know, one thing that I am not afraid to say now, just because you're black doesn't mean that you are for black people. Hmm. Um, That's like this taboo thing to say, but everybody knows it. And so I hope with me being a Republican, I can say a lot of things that a lot of people actually feel. And hopefully it will stir up enough where there will be a change. Um, At the end of the day, my number one priority is children need access to a quality of life now and in their future. And the way the Democrats are going right now, that's going to make it impossible in every sense of the word. Do you think you can win re-election with the same campaign you ran before, but with an with a with the toxic R next to your name? It is a toxic R. I will agree with you. Um, but that day, I had residents calling me, texting me, emailing me all day long, even with all the social media all day long, saying, "I still support you. You've done nothing but help us." And if that means it's going to be an R next to your name, so be it. I may not vote for all the other Republicans, but I'm still going to vote for you. I had someone email me saying, you are two um, blocks. I'm two blocks away from being in your district. I'm about to pack up my bags and move (laughs) into your district so I can vote for you. That's great. Love it. Well, the way things are going, they don't need to move into your district. But that's a, that's for a different story, Misha. We'll, we'll, we'll save that voting issues for a different day. Uh, Misha, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your courage. That's been the theme of the show today uh, with the guests we've had on today are, are people who um, have courage to do the right thing and uh, consequences be darned. And I'm very grateful for you being a part of it. Can you please, um, I want everybody to go to my website, MishaMainer.com, support in any way you feel if it's good wishes or if it's a campaign donation. And you mentioned something earlier about um, this dependent mentality, Exodus nine verses nine through 14. When people were enslaved in Egypt, they were afraid to leave um, Egypt because they wanted to continue to be a slave um, that much. And so I think that is what the battle is. And I feel like, I may be able to help the Lord with that if he so chooses. The Israelites later, why did we even leave? We were so much better off back being (laughs) slaves than this, this freedom, this freedom thing's hard. This following God is hard. If only we could just go back and at least we were, uh, at least we were safe. Right. Uh, How do you spell your name, Misha? So people can go help out your campaign. It's Misha M E S H A. Mayner, M-A-I-N-O-R, and I appreciate you so much. Wonderful. Let's talk again, Misha. Thank you, ma'am. Have a great day. Have a tremendous one. Beautiful. 866-95-PATRIOT. 866-95-PATRIOT. Oh, I so want her to win her next election. (laughs) Don't you? Don't you want that? (laughs) So badly to win, to win with that R next to her name in downtown Atlanta. Goodness, I hope so.
Hey, thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Very grateful for you for taking the time. On Monday's show, we're going to talk about the actors' strike. Now, I don't, I'm in a weird position because I don't really care, but I am curious. I'm a curious person, so I'm very curious. I got a lot of questions uh, about the demands from the actors. So we're going to talk with uh, the, it's a funny guest, the host of Cheaters. If you've ever seen the show Cheaters years ago, that guy. He's in the union, and he's for the strike. And I'm just curious what their arguments are. So we'll do that on, um, among other things, on Monday's show on Breitbart News Daily, Sirius XM Patriot, 125.